Are you driving a pickup truck right now? Are you at least comfortable while you're driving? <laughs> I actually pulled off because I, I got over one mountain range and I'm just getting ready to head into the next and I didn't want to lose service before we got a hold of each other. <laughs> oh, you're the man. I appreciate you get that. Your, you get your morning coffee? I, I do. I'm, I'm halfway through a, a, a quart mug of coffee right now. Perfect. I'm like halfway through a, a rock star, and I got two more for backup for the trip. Gotcha. That's cool. This is going to be a long night, man, but I'm excited that we finally got to hook up. This time zone difference really makes it tough sometimes. Sometimes it does, yeah. It's... uh. I feel like you're usually the one that gets it in the neck, though, with the uh, the absolute middle of the night or ungodly early. But I guess yeah. But you know what? I'm usually up late anyway. I mean, heck, I think you're the like one person. It doesn't matter what time I get home from hunting. If I jump on Facebook, it's like there's bear, you know. And I, and I love yeah. like just kind of messaging you about the night and whatever, because you know you can't message your other buddies. That, in the morning <laughs> right not you you could you could but they wouldn't be your buddies for very long no i reserve that one for like the one time i really need them right exactly exactly we've no, got some uh I'm, we've been doing some a bunch of work here haven't we we have been man yeah i'm excited though because i'm sure people have figured out by now there's something a little different about this yep uh and I'm super excited for this little shindig you're going to have going on. Oh, God, uh, me too. You know, you've been a guest a couple of times and, you know, you've brought some good content. So mm. it was really cool to be able to get you on here kind of more regular and yeah. and give you a little more rain. So why don't, why don't you tell everybody what we got going on here, Bear? Yeah, well, what we've got uh, going on is um, you guys have asked me to... Uh, contribute a little bit more frequently um at the moment we're looking at a maybe every other week kind of a deal or something something to that tune we'll kind of figure that out as we go and um we're gonna try and get uh these podcasts with um you know definitely get some you know americans as well but try and get some good uh some good european guests and things like that and also have some times where you and i just kind of sit down and and uh really get to dig into some cool topics that we've uh you know you and i have spent knowing each other for a couple years and spent quite a bit of time talking about anyway and i think that um with this this podcast is going to be sort of conversational based we're going to be allowed we're going to give ourselves the freedom to go down these rabbit holes and talk about things that at least really interest me. I know they really interest you and I'm, we're kind of banking on that. They're going to interest other people as well. Yeah. Right. Well, that's just it. I mean, we talk anyway, so we might as well record it because <laughs> we've been getting a lot of feedback on the podcast and you know, it's, it's funny because so far between buddy and myself and our guest and then having brett vaughn and his contri contributions mm -hmm. from born 100 years too late and what you've been bringing to the table i mean it's it's all so different it's kind of cool to give have like this little corner because everybody's cup of tea is different you know yeah. and, and we all know that but i i know i've really enjoyed the interviews you've done uh on the european side because even though it's, it's worlds apart, you know, working dogs are working dogs. And I feel that it's a, it's almost a different mindset over there. Um, yeah. But yet a lot of it lines up with, with the U.S. side. So, you know, we, we don't want people to have to get roped into listening to, to podcasts that they're not interested in. I mean, we know that not every podcast is for everybody. Right. But having you contribute these things i think is really great and uh I, I dig the intro music too yeah you you did an awesome job on the intro music that was all that was all you oh. that, was, uh, that was awesome oh no i did nothing that was all shannon okay i Thank say shannon 
Thank you, Shannon. Here's what we're looking for. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, Shannon. She's great. I had to thank her the other day. I said, hey, I know I can be sporadic and off the wall, and I have to say what I want. And she's so good at reading between the lines and and just producing a good quality product. So that's awesome. Not too bad for for fly by night and still getting orders out. That's awesome. (laughs) It's been so much fun. We both hunt foxes, so maybe we should call her the fox tech. The fox tech, yeah. Take a take a keynote from Colby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been. Um, yeah. It, I'm really excited about this, man. You know, because I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed these podcasts we've done so far. You know, the interviews with, um, you know, now now we've done you know five or six more, but the ones that have you know that are your listeners of or you know our listeners have all heard or were just so much fun to do. And uh, I've had so much fun doing them that to me, it's just, I'm just psyched to have the opportunity because these are people I would want to talk to anyway. And that's kind of what I'm banking on here is that there's probably, there's probably a couple of people, at least a few who are uh, as big you know, nerds about this kind of stuff as, as you and I both are that are going to really yeah, you like, geek out. Oh, big time. I am I am geeking out hard on this stuff. I do too, because I mean, luckily, I feel very fortunate that I get to deal with so many people within our niche, because mm. it is, it's still a small world in comparison to the rest of the outdoor industry, I think. Sure. But yeah. it's really cool to, uh, it's cool to sit down and have a, a long format conversation absolutely you know about the things that it's all bouncing around in our heads you know i i love bouncing questions off of people as far as you know hey my dog did this what are you thinking or hey you know when it comes to breeding and and just get different perspectives because everybody has a different view absolutely and if we don't all kind of come together and and approach that with an open mind you know in the end what what's going to get you the best result so my my hope is that by having all this different content out there i mean we've literally got everything from you know the bruce kennedy episodes that brett has been bringing us from the the 80s and 90s yeah those are so awesome you know to the oh they are i just talked with him the other day and you know he he's working like crazy right now so he's uh feeling the pinch a little bit but he's all fired up because he's supposed to go do some more interviews like actual in-person his stuff which i really enjoy yeah those were those are great too he's uh yeah the content he provides is 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 awesome awesome stuff yeah really enjoyed that And and i've been talking with buddy too we're gonna we're gonna have to all get together you know kind of as a collaborative between the contributors and we want to get you and Brett on and just kind of have a free for all for an episode here. Hopefully that would be a lot of fun. after we get back and things settle down, because this week's a marathon week with, uh, I was just at the Elk Creek field trial, which is a huge event in California. I was going to say, did you have dogs at that or were you just sort of the rep for W there? You know, I, I had dogs there. I didn't run them in the trials. Uh, I've kind of got a different perspective. A lot of people probably think I'm a big sissy about it, but okay, I've got some really young dogs that are they're clicking. Yeah, and when you throw them in in, in a weird situation, I mean, these dogs have never hardly hunted the daylight. Period. I, I mean, right. they hunt exclusively at night, and then you go throwing them in with a, a bunch of dogs on an artificial scent. I just they're there's a couple that are kind of at that tipping point where I think if you have one minor speed bump, it could really quickly, you know, throw them completely off track. For sure. For sure. Well, a lot of people, you know, they believe a dog can do everything and and I'm sure they can, but I just, I know what I've been doing with them and I've seen some real progression in them this last season and a half. Yeah. And, uh, so I take them (laughs) for the experience, you know, it's, it's good for them to be out around that i mean there were well over i think 
they said they ran 150 dogs through each day. Oh, wow. wow, cool. Yeah. That's so it was true. nice to, you know, get them out and be around all that. But yeah. really, I spend 99% of my day either trying to walk from one end of the, the field trial to the other. Because, you know, it's a pilgrimage, really, for a lot of hound guys. It, sure. They come from all over different states. And, you know, it's really the one time of year I get to see a lot of these people. And it's crazy how that one time a year, it's like it was yesterday. You know, the way you pick up and you just continue on and you have the conversations and the camaraderie, it's, it's a right. really unique thing. Yeah, so, I love stuff like that. You know, you bump into somebody you haven't seen for two years and they're like, well, the other day you mentioned it. It's like, well, that was actually about two years ago. They're like, was it? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works down there. Yeah, It's too bad you're so far away. I'd say you should just pop over, but I'm pretty sure uh, the Rona still got you. <laughs> stuck overseas rona's got us hard they just shut down they just shut down the entire country again um so you can't, really yeah you can't go in and out you got to stay within your within your um county it's uh all of the every all of the schools from middle school and are after middle school uh, universities everything uh are all being done remotely all the classes That's are being done so it's yeah so it's uh so is that affecting your kids uh no my kids are are thankfully still young enough to um they're both still in el elementary school so they're able to uh, continue more or less as normal you know less visitors and you know sleepovers and things but you know um, they're still able to be around their friends which is which is great <laughs> thank god for that yeah no kidding if it wasn't for you know, your buddies and dogs, I think you'd be lost in this world today. It's yeah, like the yeah. one thing that kind of keeps my sanity right now is, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you, you forget about everything else. Yeah, the the hounds have been super important to my mental health anyway. You know, it's it's just been during this whole Corona thing. It's been really, really nice to have something to do. You know, during the times where I maybe would have gone, I'm a pretty social guy. So times where I would have gone and done something, you know, together with people, you know, now I can go out and, and do that, you know, spend that time with a dog, you know, doing something worth, worth doing. Sure. Um, well, and you've been busy too, because you've got a couple of these episodes, I mean, lined up and ready, don't you? Yeah. You know, we've done since, since the episode, I guess, episode 40 was the Ivan episode. Since mm -hmm. then, I think we've done five or six of them, haven't we? I've done a couple. Yeah, I'd say pretty close. So we, yeah, we had Johan and then, yeah, we've done like five or six of them. So that's been a lot of fun. I've also been doing some writing. So I've got um, Far Cry has a, uh, or Full Cry, sorry, has another magazine called The Hunter's Horn which is for um, mm -hmm. fox hunters. Running dog. Yeah. So I've started uh, I've been contributing there. I should. I hate to cut in, but I swear if my buddy Kurt Wilcox hears me say that, he's going to beat me through the speakers. I refer to them as running dog. I, does that offend people over your way? Like they're, uh, they're called foxhounds. Yeah, that's the weird thing over here is that it, that wouldn't offend anybody. They'd be like, oh, interesting uh because it, it's it is the funniest thing is that over here you know when you say an american foxhound over in over there i get the impression that you could be talking about one of three or four different fairly distinct lines of dogs right mm -hmm. whereas over here they've actually split it up they, they treat them as their own breeds so like a running walker oh, over really? here yeah a running walker over here is called just an American foxhound, but then they treat like the they just all fall in, right? That's like end of story. American foxhound, that that's it. But then they've also got like the treeing walker, which they treat as a completely different breed. And then they've got uh, so what about what about like so over here like the Triggs and the Julys and the Goodmans, you know, like 
all those would just be lumped in. No, they treat them as different breeds. It's the weirdest thing. Really? And they're not, they're not registered, but, uh, or they're, I think that the, the, the Triggs and the Julys would probably be reckoned as an unregistered working breed, but a distinct breed in itself. But the treeing walkers and the, the American foxhounds, those are, those are two separate breeds with their own registry here, which is the strangest thing to me. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. I just know if you talk to a real like old school fox hunter, if you call them a running dog, be ready for an earful because <laughs> they are foxhounds, not this. They call them half assers, you know. Right. Because out here, I mean that that's kind of uh, at least on the west coast, you know, most of these guys are running halfers or quarter quarter running dog as we call it, you know, with three quarter tree dog. Sure. You know, something that just ideally you're breeding in stamina and speed with still the ability to locate. Sure. And I think that's why I enjoy talking fox hunting with you because, yeah, we both run fox, but they're different. You know, you're running red fox that go to ground and we're running gray fox that tree. Right. I would say a, a vast majority of the time. Um, so, yeah. It's funny though because um, that's interesting. It, it is interesting. And, and I was, uh, I got a call yesterday um, from a guy who had bought, he was from Latvia and he had bought a plot. I need a map. Yeah. I feel like I should have a map right now because I have no idea where that is. Eastern, Eastern Europe. Okay. Um, And anyway, he, uh, he lives in Norway. He had bought a plot from uh, some Swedish lines but the Swedish lines were, you know, one generation Swedes. All the grandparents came from, came from the States. I'm still figuring out where the, uh, at least one of them was a Pocahontas dog. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the funniest thing that plots are not even recognized as a breed here in, uh, in the Norwegian Kennel Club. It's crazy to me, like out of all the dogs in the world, that you guys over there, like one of your top dogs of choice is the one American bred coonhound. Yeah. You know, I mean, like everything else descended from other parts of the world. And, and now it's you guys, I mean, the plots are big over there, aren't they? N- not, not in Norway. No, there's only, there's only a couple of them here that I'm, that I know of, but in Sweden, they're much, they're much more. Sweden. Yeah. Because you know, because there you, you have the opportunity to do the bear hunting and the wolf hunting, you know, and, and the wild boar and things like that. You know, you've got much more, you've got game that is much, much better suited for the plots in there. And they're kind of, uh, you know, hit the ground and go to war attitude. Sure. Um, it, here in Norway, mainly because they, they do, they do a lot of breeding to try here to try and keep when they're hunting foxes to try and keep the foxes above ground because if you put a lot of pressure oh, on really? a fox, it, yeah if you put a lot of pressure on a fox it's going to go to it's going to den pretty much immediately which is you know the in a in a trial sense that would be buzz's biggest flaw is he put so much pressure on the foxes that they go you know my dog buzz they go to ground within once he's made contact with them, it's usually not more than, you know, between five and 15 minutes before they're down. Um, really? Which is, doesn't bother me um, in the least, but. So the goal is to have a dog that keeps the, keeps the fox afoot. I mean, you want it jumped. Right. But not so much pressure that it damn. Right. You want a fox that is you want a dog that's going to stay on it, but is going to go slow enough so that the fox is confident that it knows where the dog is and can keep that distance. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe in all the, like the couple of years that we've talked that that's never came up. Cause I've always had this thing in the back of my head. And I go back to my buddy, Kurt Wilcox, his, his whole family was fox hunters. I mean, and they fox hunted, all over but mainly like the willamette valley of oregon before it was really much anything i mean the i-5 was just a two-lane road basically 
Oh, cool. So they, they were running, you know, old school foxhounds. And we had had this conversation about, you know, fox hunting in England. And it just kind of brought this thing up where, you know, the dogs that were really pushing to catch game, that wasn't desired. Like I knew that that wasn't something desired because it took away from the hunt. Right. Which is weird to me that, yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years, incidentally, they have bred dogs to not, I don't want to say not catch game, but to not catch game as efficiently because just like you said, it, if they catch it, it's over. Right. So incidentally, they're breeding the dogs that give the best show. You know, they, they keep that fox afoot. They get to enjoy the hunt. And now like here in the u.s especially i mean i'm just going to speak for the my experience i know that the the east coast fox hunters it's a totally different game and i would love to make it out that way sometime but you know here we're looking for that dog that just flat drives a track and we just hope that the fox learn you know and that that's kind of the beauty of not harvesting like myself, I can't remember the last box I harvested. Right. Yeah. Unless same. it was uh, same here. You know, the dogs ended up catching it, which is very rare. But it's that's a really interesting fact. Yeah, it it is pretty interesting. And and you know, I was talking to you a little while ago about there's a Swedish breed that I'm kind of interested in called the Schiller, um, the Schiller Hound. That sounds like what I call my dog sometimes yeah (laughs) and uh you know that one is bred for being it's a it's a fox specialist you know it's that's what they're used for it's what they're bred for they've not been bred for anything else um unlike a lot of these other Hmm. breeds have been bred for uh you know hair right hair yeah which has has killed some of the good fox qualities but like the shillet has only been bred for fox but it's been bred to keep them above ground. So, you know, and it's the same anywhere. You're going to have people with different attitudes, different desires, different needs. So pump, some people have, you know, the terriers that they send under underground. They want those dogs like Buzz that put so much pressure on them that they go to ground really quickly because then they can move on and put four or five to ground and then mm-hmm. let the terriers in systematically, you know. But sure. um, the plots are not as popular here in Norway, because, specifically because of that, that they're not the fastest dogs out there. They're, they're mm-hmm. kind of a middle thing between as far as fox hunting goes. They're fast enough and they're hard enough so that they will stay on a fox for such a long time without necessarily being fast enough to put it to put it in a den. But they're still pushing it faster than really makes sense when we've got the limitations on roads and how many dogs we can put down and things like that in terms of getting in front of the fox or get positioning yourself to be able to harvest that animal. Mm-hmm. Whereas the you know the walkers and the and um, some of these other breeds, the Finnish hound, they'll they'll make it den really quickly. So it's, it's the plot ends up kind of being this middle thing between a dog that gets it to ground really quickly um, without necessarily presenting so many shooting possibilities. Um, sure. And a dog that just kind of putters behind it and keeps it keeps it at a mellow trot, you know. Well, I'd imagine that they're they do well just because of how hard they are. I mean, plots are generally a pretty hard dog. They are as far as conditions and tough. I mean, they just, they're tough. They have that switch like a terrier is all I can think of. Yeah, for sure. You know, they, they do. I remember so well, I was at this huge, uh, this huge expo here in Norway for hunting dogs. And, um, it's, it's called the hunting and fishing days in, uh, the town of Elverum here in Norway. And they'll have something absurd. I think it's like 6,000 dogs through there in a in a weekend a long weekend holy moly and they have they have shows and and you know um you know bench shows and all of these different things um 
all of the all the breed organizations comes come and set up stands and things like that it's, it's a really cool deal but they also have um one year they had a stuffed bear on wheels mm-hmm. to test uh, you know a little bit of similar to what ivan was talking about on his podcast sort of testing testing the dogs how willing they were to engage um what their reactions were to a bear and they had a they had a wild boar as well real big wild boar as well on wheels and it was the funniest thing because i was sitting uh, you know i was sitting not far from there and watched for an entire day as dogs would kind of come around the corner and see that and watching their reactions was fascinating you know most of the dogs you know would would jump back and bark and their hackles would go up some of them would panic completely a bunch of dogs slipped their collars and ran away you know but then i remember so well this this guy came just puttering around the corner with a she couldn't have been more than 6 months old plot female and she saw the bear before he did and just yanked that that leash right out of his hand ran up and just <laughs> right in the face of this bear oh no kidding and it was just it was so cool to see uh you know it was the only dog of the entire weekend that reacted like that and it was of course a plot it was it was pretty funny teeny tiny six month old that's that's the one to buy right there oh absolutely absolutely you know at the at the same time you kind of have to scratch your head and be like i wonder what the thought process is there is it is it like i know i'm gonna die but i'm gonna do it anyway or is it an actual i think i can take him you know what i mean you know, I don't know what it is. I, I've never personally, well, I can't say I've never owned a plot. I've never hunted a plot. Um, but the gentleman that got me into, into hounds, I mean, it, actually his nephew is the one who got me into it and excited about it. But my buddy, Tony Witcherly is really the one who took me under his wing and kind of guided me yeah. quietly, man, a little word. You know, but when he talks, you better shut up and listen because what he's saying is extremely valuable information. Sure. And he was always a plot man. Pocahontas, he had quite a bit of Pocahontas stuff. And, Did he? Really? That's interesting. You know. Mm-hmm. And he was a fox hunter? Yeah. No, no. He, uh, he, he's probably one of those that was the last to come around to even not considering fox trash. You know, okay. if it was not a bear... <laughs> or a cat there was no room to even waste your time i mean he was a diehard bear hunter bear hunting california with him luckily for two years before the ban back in 2012 yeah right yeah and you know it was a good group uh but he was god he is dead set on those plots and i told him about the time he got a blue dog i'd probably get a plot and i think we both tried to keep our separate (laughs) but yeah it's they were a different a different dog i mean they handled things differently and and all dogs do i mean it seems like you always find the anomaly within the breed Mm -hmm. and that's usually the one i'm looking for but you know those plots it's like they just had no regard for safety but when it came time to to do business that's all they cared about was doing business Right. You know, and that's, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of, like I was saying, I'm in the process of writing another, another article for um, the hunter's horn. And that's something I'm talking about quite a bit in the article is, is that, you know, unlike, unlike with a, you know, in, in my sort of scope of experience, a dog team, or, you know, and to compare it to the American way, you know, a pack of dogs where you can have, individuals that are good at one thing that sort of where you create this sort of unit that works really well with Mm -hmm. dogs that are good at certain certain aspects and they complement each other really well we don't have that we don't have the possibility to do that here we need the one-man army Do do you think that that's why i mean i've always thought the europeans are much harder i don't want to say harder on dogs and have that come across wrong but when it comes to breeding and selecting your stock, yep. I mean, when it comes to testing, it's not just one person's opinion. As a collective, it seems like over there, 
mean, I'll use Jag Terriers as an example. Yeah, for sure. I know that they are judged similar here, but they they base it off of the European standards, it seems like. At least the little involvement I've had with some Jag Terrier friends. Sure. I, I, and um, it's, it, that's the truth, you know. It's dogs are judged. They're judged much they're judged very harshly here and and, I, and i'll uh, you know I'll, I'll stick my neck out and say that and you know good young dogs that have a lot of the qualities that i would be looking for in a dog will be discarded because they're not they're not showing that desire to be rambo before right. they're one year you know before they're one and there's an expectation that they're going to show that desire, show that drive, show that uh, that they have the ability to be a one man army because that's what that's the requirement. They need to be able to function and do it all right. on their own. And there's a lot of good dogs that are being discarded because of that. You know, it's which it you know makes sense in, uh, in the sense that when those are the parameters we have to work in, it makes sense that we're then going to, you know, select fairly stringently on those requirements. You know, but the flip side is. But I think you have to. You have to, but at the same time, the flip side being that a lot of good dogs that if they had just used another year, may would have gotten there, are then moved on and something new is brought in um which you know again it it may it makes sense it's just it's not a it's not a criticism exactly it's just an acknowledgement that um you know the dogs the dogs need to be really solid really early to be i can see why early starters over there is a big thing because with you guys being so limited on the number of dogs you know you don't have two years to wait for a dog to turn it on or you're so far behind, it's not even funny. You need that dog that comes out of the womb ready to go. I mean, right. yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, absolutely. it makes sense to me. It, it makes sense to me too, you know, but I've, I'm not able to do it quite that way. You know, I've, I've seen so many of my sled dogs that were pretty okay at one and just really pretty much much better at two and really came into their own at three three and a half sure you know i think that's kind of so i don't want to say the standard but you know for the average that's average pretty, hunter it's pretty average say, yeah you know that's pretty, pretty normal that's pretty normal you know and and the 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 thing for me is that I, I see so many i have the luxury of being able to spend a lot of time you know i i, I put a lot of my time and effort into the hounds so I'm able to work on these small things and, and get a dog that maybe doesn't naturally have a good search or, you know, doesn't naturally market, you know, doesn't tree very well or den very well. I have the luxury of working with that dog. I don't need to then go out and find another dog that does that naturally, you know, from day one. Sure. I, can, I can and, you know, I feel fortunate. You know, I'm not the guy that goes well, out on weekends when I have the opportunity. I'm able to get out, you know, I'm able to get out usually once or twice during the during the weekdays as well. And, you know, it means a little bit less sleep, but that's that's a price that I'm I have no problem that's, paying for. <laughs> that's the sacrifice we make there. That's right. There's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're not willing to use all of them, I mean, you're always leaving something on the table, it seems like. That's right. What is uh? What was the God line from the Godfather? This is the business we've chosen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's um, it's an interesting. And I've enjoyed that. You know, in our talks Me too. over the years, you're big on developing. You know, you like working with a dog, I taking do. potential that might not be the highest, but learning the dog and working on that and trying to develop that, you know, because it, it's a vicious cycle. I mean, and my views have changed over the years. And as my pack has changed, because in the end, like a, 
a dog that starts at two years old, you're already way behind on a dog that would start, let's say, like this puppy I've got now. I mean, she's starting to try to run with other dogs at five months old. Right. So it's it's cool to hear. I, I love listening to the development and, you know, just the little victories, which, you know, we all look at this big picture, I think. You know, the end goal is you catch your game, but really it's 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 more about working with the dogs. Yep. And it's cool to just hear those little victories. You know, little stepping stones. Eventually you throw enough pebbles in that, that puddle and it just starts filling up and filling up and before you know it, you've got the whole package. So it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's like I've said a couple of times with uh with this young buzz dog I've got, he's a dog that realistically is the full package, you know, just naturally. He, he's got some, you know, he's Mm. definitely got things we're working on and he's, you know, he's by no means perfect, but he was, you know, he was full open, you know, wide open after Fox, more or less trash free by the time he was nine months old, you know, and, that's wild. I was just lucky there, you know, but <clears throat> I said it to somebody yesterday that I think my only strength as a trainer is my willingness to give them time and my willingness to use time on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll always think back. There was a dog. So when I started running hounds, it was right towards the tail end of that California bear season, you know, 2000, I'm going to say 2010. Mm-hmm. I started going before that, but I didn't have dogs. I, I would just go down with this group and I would camp and hunt with their family. And, and it was a blast and I couldn't help but get, get dogs myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to find a new place to live just so I could have a dog. That's right. how bad it was. I had to have it. I had to get into it. And I started off with uh, a purebred blue tick, Haley. She was my first blue dog. And okay. I had a, blue tick walker cross that a a good friend at the time had given me who the the dam side was all big game walker bred but came off a lot of the coonhound stuff um balls hickory nut harry finley river big names in the in the walker breed sure and then she was bred on to a i guess he would have been a half cameron walker cross i can't i can't quite remember what the sire's dam was but i know the grand sire was a pure cameron dog because uh as time evolved you know further on down my blue tick trail i actually ended up with a lot of those same dogs in the same lineage just a little bit of a parallel to it oh that's cool but that yeah it's funny i mean even down to the fact that my first blue dog my my hunting partner brandon comby he uh he actually had a litter mate to it before we even knew each other really and hunted and now you know we hunt together all the time and have some of the same blood you know a lot of my dogs have actually came from him but that walker blue tick cross i got him from my buddy and the deal was he says you can have that pup he knew i wanted it bad i mean i was on fire to get dogs that was it and he says, you can have him, but you got to name him after my, my cousin. And his cousin's name was Dale. So there's where Dale came. Okay, uh, cool. <laughs> Dale was not that nine-month-old starter. Dale was that dog that did not run a track until he was over two years old. Right. And I was told constantly, you're wasting your time. You know, it, you should probably look at finding a different dog. But I, I really liked him. It was probably just me being naive. I mean, I didn't know anything. I just knew I liked the dog. He had a great disposition. And I saw something in him even when I didn't know anything about hunting. I mean, yes, I was going through the motions. I was there. But, I mean, in in retrospect, I knew nothing. But that dog would rig a track at four months old, and he would not pass a track up, whether it was coyote, bear, fox, whatever, deer. He was what my buddy Tony called an automatic strike dog. When he smelled it, he was striking. Right. But you'd let him down and he would never do anything with it. He would never move a track until he was over two years old. 
yeah my vipy dog was the same way man and you know frustrating you know when you see that yeah and you've got this thing in front of you that you know clearly i I don't know how rig dogs are viewed across the u.s but i didn't know what it was like to not have a rig dog like that was standard equipment here where we all hunted and in our groups everybody had dogs that rigged and not just one i mean it was your whole pack of dogs would rig right and I mean, I could explain what rigging is, but I'm going to assume that most of our listeners know. But I should think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I remember sitting on a mountaintop in California, and I I was always kind of the kid brother, you know, justifiably so. I was the youngest in the group. I was the greenest. So I caught a lot of the flack, you know, in front of the jokes. Sure. And I'll never forget my buddy John York. We were sitting on top of this mountain, and I put that Dale dog out and he wouldn't do nothing. You know, he, he had no interest in running that track and here go the other dogs just screaming. Like he didn't even want to honor him. Didn't want to do anything. (laughs) And my buddy John comes up to me and he puts his arm around my shoulder and he says, Dewey, if you want, I'll give you a little secret to get that dog going. You know, I, I think we can get him going for you. I said, well, fill me in, man. You know, I'm all ears. I'm real discouraged. Right. I mean, it was it was very rough my early years of hunting because I, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I didn't have dogs that knew what they were doing. I was really just trying to soak it all in. So John tells me, what you got to do is you got to walk him over there and I want you to put his nose down in the track. And I'm thinking, well, duh, I've done that about 500 times, you know. Right. But I said, okay. And he says, then I want you to put your lips up to his butt and I want you to suck real hard until it gets a good whiff. <laughs> I will never forget that. I about died. I mean, the whole mountaintop was rolling. A bunch of hound guys just thought that was the funniest thing. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, luckily for me, he ended up running a track before I had to resort to that. But it, it was getting a little desperate there. <laughs> yeah, when... At first, you take it as a joke, and then six months later, you're like, "Well, I've tried everything." Else. Like, man, maybe maybe John's not as crazy as I think he is. Well, I'm out of ideas. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> That's too funny. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's super frustrating with those dogs, but I think especially early on, you know, I see a lot of these um, a lot of the people that I've hunted with, and I mean, I've hunted with some excellent, excellent dogmen. Don't get me wrong, but you know, those guys are the minority. A lot of the people I've hunted with, you know, and, and I don't include, and I don't include myself in the excellent dog man, uh, category, even a little bit, but the, the, the people that I've hunted with have been, I think they've kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit by trying to get that perfect dog early on. So they go through a bunch of dogs, mm-hmm. um, without taking the opportunity to learn how to do this by actually right. to train a dog they want that kind of plug and play dog and those dogs are those dogs are rare they'll probably find one of those but then eventually but then they're going to spend you know another 10 years trying to find that kind of dog again oh for sure their, their careers may only last a single generation you know because they just can't be bothered to go through the all of those other dogs to get that dog that just automatically does what you want it to do um i think a lot of people well, I, if, I they, think if they'd had a you know if they had a dale or a vipi you know a dog that because i spent you know i spent three years hunting with with vipi and when we started she i couldn't get her to go away from me you know she was she was at my heels just she would same as same as what you're describing she would she would open up on a track and then just like be like all right i've done my thing and it took me the right. longest time to get her to go out. And then I kind of created a monster where I got her, I got her to go out and slowly built up her confidence over two years. And it was this fall that it finally clicked for, her, which is awesome. But then I created this monster because now she'll run anything and everything forever. Right. So I had a day where I spent five hours trying to catch her off of a roe deer. Oh, really? Because she she took out on a fox, saw a roe deer, and was like, oh, I'm going to chase that instead. 
you know, and then I had another day where it's more fun. Oh man. She'll, she will chase, she will track and chase the thing that is closest to her. So if you, sure. I, I had another day here where I put her the last day I hunted her this, this year, um, before she went in the heat, uh, I had a day, I put her down on a Fox halfway through. She switched to a lynx, which I was like, Hey, that's kind of cool. But then she switched to a, a hare, came running back in the other direction after a hare. A buddy of mine who was hunting with me saw that and then crossed a road in front of me 40 minutes later, again, chasing a roe deer. So she went from fox to lynx to hare. Holy cow. And ended on a roe deer just because she was bumping shit. You know, she was bumping things in the, in the forest. Right. So, you know, uh, that's a dog that is now four years old. I got her when she was almost two and is Mm -hmm. there's still so much work to be done there. And it's the same, you know, people, people, people think I'm insane, you know, for using time on a dog like that, you know, because every one, every day that we have, that's a good day where she does, where she's on Fox or sticks to, you know, sticks to the sort of target species. We'll have 10 where she just, ruins the entire day <laughs> <laughs> makes you see the country yeah but i've learned so much from that dog on things that i don't want how to get how to work through some other things and that's she's never going to be a great dog you know i have no right. illusions about that but i have she was the dog that taught me very concretely what i wanted to see but also Mm-hmm. what i didn't want to see well and i'll preface this because i'm sure everybody has their own opinion okay and i'm not the authority on it um to me it's like buying a hound okay buying a horse buying buying any free thinking animal on the face of the planet yep just because that dog performs for somebody it's my personal belief that I could completely ruin that dog in a very short period of time if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not doing my part as the hunter. Now, there's all, always those push-button dogs. I mean, don't get me wrong. They are out there, and I've seen them, where you just pick them up, and they hunt for me. I could ship them to you. They'd hunt the exact same for you. But I think that that is a very rare anomaly. Yeah, that's unusual. Because, yeah, I mean, and I've seen it in multiple multiple species we're not just talking dogs i mean oh they have to learn what you want that it's a partnership and i think that's the difference is there are dogs that are definitely out there that are extremely good at what they do and they Mm -hmm. hunt for them and then there's the other dogs out there that are good at what they do but you can enhance it you know And, and to me that's the real enjoyable experience Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. That um, for it's as, as you said at the beginning of the conversation, you know, I, I enjoy working dogs. That's what I, that's what I get the most enjoyment out of. I, it's been a while since I've taken uh, a fox mainly just because I, the more my dogs run these foxes, the better the foxes get at avoiding my dogs, which makes my dogs better. The best training tool I have right. is an old, is is an old alpha alpha male fox that does not go to ground and he's got this one foot that's a little bit sort of pigeon-toed so i can immediately see when we've got him on his feet and he's the best training tool i've had because he does things that throw my dogs for a loop and they my dogs have taken major major strides in a good direction because of this one animal so you know i i I'm absolutely, you know, uh, a big fan of um, educating the foxes as much as I am educating the hounds because they'll they will ultimately make each other better. Same here. It's like they almost become the second half of your hunting partnership. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you rely on that piece of game just as much as you rely on that dog. Without either one of them, you know, it's like if we can go out and catch a. I think the fastest race you know I've had recently was like a two minute jump okay which yeah it's great you know and you're excited and, and it's good for the dogs but at the same time 
I would much rather have that one that rings the dogs out over four or five hours and they just come back dragging, you know? Yeah. And then the day that that piece of game is gone and you know, it's gone. I mean, you, you've built, it's like a weird relationship with them. You know, their patterns, you're actually hunting the game animal, not just going out looking for a piece of game. You're out hunting that particular animal. It's bad when they're gone. It is, you know, I've, uh, You know you're getting into it when uh, you pull off to look at roadkill to see. Do I know this? <laughs> yep. You know it's like you roll through the same spot. But dude, I have to actually go to work here. Oh really? Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love. It's actually we've been at this for about an hour already. Unbelievable, oh, dang, man. Well, this is a little something for the listeners to look forward to because I feel like we covered a lot of ground in this. Yeah, and that's the goal. I mean, this is this is just kind of uh, you know, in Baron I's talking, we want this to be a good conversation point, and we hope that other people enjoy it as much as we do. But I think that there's going to be some good content to come out of it. I think so. Um, yeah, I think everybody should look forward to. Uh, if you're good with it, Bear, I mean, I think we should announce the first one that we're going to launch as an interview. Hundred percent. Yeah. Give a little teaser. Yeah, we had a great. So why don't you go ahead and do that? Well, we had a great sit down with um, Bob Plot, who mm-hmm. most of you guys are going to know who Bob is, but he's a super talented. Uh, yeah, that guy's a renaissance man. He, Jack he, all he, trades. He can but uh, we got to talk to him quite a bit about his dogs and about about him. Um, you know, a little bit about his family, obviously, Bob in the plot family being the family behind the plot dogs but you know we 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 got to hear a little bit about bob's perspectives and his opinions on things you know he's a he's a uh dedicated historian historian and his family and the smoky mountains and um it was a lot of fun to actually learn a little bit more about the guy himself so that's going to be i think we'll probably kick kick this whole thing off with that with that episode yeah and hopefully there's going to be a lot more to come uh yeah we've got some great ones say, up. we've got dr dr johan plank from austria which uh, i had a lot of fun doing we've got um doug mcmahon from british columbia which was a lot of fun to do so we've got some we've got some good ones coming up i think i think so man I'm glad you're you're jumping on the train. It's cool to see people so interested in making, you know, getting this content recorded and getting it out there for people to listen to. So I've I've enjoyed it. I always enjoy our conversations, man. And I'm gonna let you go to work and I'm gonna jump back on the freeway here. I got a long drive ahead of me tonight. Yeah, well drive safe, brother. We will talk to you soon. I will, bud. You have a good one. You too. See you later. Bye. Man, I love that sound.